Moving Iron Podcast. This is a special edition of the Moving Iron Podcast, and this is the Tractor Zoom Insights Edition here, where we're going to talk about what's going on in the marketplace as far as what uh, Tractor Zoom sees happen out there uh, with the with the auction values, and they've got a special discount going on right now. If you go to uh, Iron or TractorZoom.com and use the code Moving Iron, you'll get seventy five dollars off of your. Uh, subscription for the year so this will be a this will be a good deal for everyone to do but when you see this this information that we're going to lay out right here it's, it's going to be some good reasons for you to definitely jump into uh, uh to want to use this uh what you see here so go to ironcomps.com and use the code moving iron and you'll save 75 dollars off your subscription so with me again as normal is kyle mcmahon with tractor zoom so kyle how you doing bud Good. How are you, Casey? Not too bad, man. Survived another another October uh, snowstorm. We had about ten inches come through here, so that's about typical somewhere around the week of the week of Halloween or thereabouts. So it's uh, nothing out of the ordinary. How's the weather out your way? Well, I think people are complaining about the two inches we got in the Des Moines area. It compares <laughs> nothing to the ten inches that you got. So yeah. comparatively speaking, we yeah. better be all right. Right on. How's uh? So with all the the craziness that's happened out in Iowa with the uh, with the what's it called the the derecho or whatever that's whatever happened out the uh, the massive storm thing that came through there that that uh, leveled a lot of stuff. What what is your feel right now with the folks that you're talking to out there and kind of what's the overall kind of barometer of of the of the folks out your way? Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. This summer, uh, the derecho was the big hot topic, right? That was just. 30 miles north of us where, yeah. where I live here in the Des Moines area. And I, I really think that the election has compressed or depressed a lot of the derecho conversations. I was just driving around during harvest. It was, uh, it was interesting watching guys have to harvest their crop one direction and always have to uh, double back and keep going the same direction. So, you know, it was, it probably took a lot longer to get that stuff harvested. Some of it's not getting harvested, uh, but guys are moving through it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's uh, there's nothing nothing been easy in 2020. That's for sure. It's been a it's been a crazy year. Whether we're looking at commodity prices or weather or just trade or whatever it might be, and and you've put together some pretty good slides here with some great information. And you and I were talking back and forth before we before we got started here. And this first slide you've got up here is is quite uh, quite interesting i mean so what you've done here is you've taken the uh, the purdue farmer sediment uh, barometer and compared that to auction values and and how you see that and lo and behold they they match up pretty nice yeah we were we were very shocked you know obviously when farmer sentiment is high or low traditionally that means net farm income changes high or low mm-hmm. but we never knew that that would affect the the value of equipment or in this case tractor prices so uh, similarly, the chart we have, we literally overlaid the farmer sentiment that Purdue puts out to what we see in tractor auction prices, just all tractors, and they correlate very, very closely. 
Uh, and what I, what I would love to spend some time talking about is what this is going to do to Q4 of 2020 and, and kind of compare it to what happened in Q19, excuse me, Q4 of uh, 2019. Because if you see at the end, tail end of this graph, you see farmer sentiment going the opposite direction of the machine prices. And, and so we're starting to see that as a leading indicator of some strong machinery prices and, and tractor prices coming in here in November, December of this year. Yep. Yeah, and I, I would echo that. I mean, I guess you look at all the stuff that's going on, the different payments that have come in, the different um, you know commodity prices right now. I mean, i got to go back and look, but I want to say December corn closed up like 416 and three quarters or something like that today. I mean, it's pretty comparatively to where we were at in March where corn was there were there were you know people were taking taking bets if it was going to get below three bucks you know what I mean so now we're now we're you know a dollar twenty higher on the corn uh wheat is higher um you know you look at soybeans are, are significantly higher than what they've been um hogs have have had a run cattle are are mixed most days but there's a lot of positive things going on out there as we head into in, the end of the year and I, I got to think that there's going to be some pretty good opportunities that there's some, there's going to be some. The other thing too that I want to say about that is with harvest being as early as it was this year, guys are going to have, you got to think about the, the, the last five years, three years for sure. It was late December when folks were getting stuff done. If not, they were actually cutting you know, either they were cutting beans or picking corn, maybe even into January. This is going to be one of those years where they've got 45 days, 60 days in some cases, to really make a good decision about what they're doing, do some research, really go out and take a look at what their needs are, and, and then start looking at what's going on um, out there on, on auctions, you know, uh, looking at dealer lots. All those different things start to come into play, and... You know, we're going to start seeing some, I think we're going to start seeing some rapid movement in equipment that's on the lot, whether it's new or used. And I think there's going to be some, some, some triggered buying that's going to come because, you know, they, they've held out, they missed the first one, missed the second one, and they're damn sure not going to miss the third one. And I think those are going to be some, some trends that we're going to see develop and barring the guy that's going to sit and wait for the that you know mid-december auction and watch that specific piece roll by and if it if it brings what he wants it to bring and he'll buy it if not you know i'll i'll wait till january and and do some stuff there but i am i am very optimistic about you know november 15th through um december 25th you know i feel like those are going to be some pretty um Pretty busy months for the dealerships and auctions, for that matter. Yeah, I, I, I'd love to know, kind of, uh, you know, I don't know if you're going to spill the beans on all your strategies of mm -hmm. what you're going to do, of, of how you're going to move inventory the right way here come this uh, November, December time period. But, like, just from the auction perspective, Casey, the 450 auction companies that we work with that advertise their auctions with us at TractorZoom.com, we're expecting like record numbers uh, of auctions, whether they're retirement sales, whether they're mm -hmm. consignment sales, just the sheer volume of these consignment sales that are expected to come up. But it's supposed to be a lot of inventory moving. And just as you're mentioning, if we have a big CPAP, CPAP payment, as, as well as higher than expected commodity prices, you would assume that that's going to uh, significantly jump the net farm income. So yeah. the farmers are going to have some disposable income to, play the uh, tax game here at the end of this year and get a little depreciation under their belt and mm -hmm. upgrade 
machines that they've probably been neglecting, yep. which are what we're seeing in our data is tractors. Yep. One, one thing that I'm going to be curious to see is how much of this gets pushed into to 21. I think that's going to be the, the, the real trigger there is, is to how much of this stuff gets you know, purchased in, in 20 versus 21 and what that looks like. And, um, you know, quite frankly, there's probably enough losses out there that they can start taking a look at um, and, and some doing some different stuff. But there are so many different additives that have been put into place here that um, there could be a lot of stuff that gets done all of a sudden. Again, it goes back to that, you know, guys having 45 to 60 days worth of time to, you know, talk to their accountant um, and sit down and really measure what they've got going on and, and what that looks like. So, I mean, I don't know. Part of me thinks it's going to be just a, uh, I don't want to say a, a free-for-all or a windfall or anything like that of, of people coming you know, ready to buy stuff. But I do think we're going to see a, a spike in basically from from November through February of, of guys buying stuff. I think there's going to be a good opportunity to, to move a lot of equipment um, in that time frame, whether it's on the dealer's lot or whether it's auctions. I just think there's going to be a ton of opportunity to for stuff to get moved. What's some of the guys, like you're talking to some of your auction folks, wh what are they telling you? I mean, are they are they just getting guys right and left that are talking to them about listing stuff, getting some stuff going, or is it just kind of like, you know, we're working with what we've got and we're not really adding anything to it? Now we're seeing a lot of sale bills already starting to be developed and we're starting to uh, take calls from the auction company saying, hey, 30 days out, getting ready to have an auction. This is what we're expecting to be there. And I think because of the early harvest, mm -hmm. as you're alluding to, we're seeing some of these auctions actually going to trigger a little earlier than they have in the past. Right. You know, last year when this the harvest dragged on forever, oh, it seemed like. Never ended. People were really nervous to have that November auction. And yep. we're seeing guys starting to book these machinery auctions uh, 30 days out. Like two weeks ago, they're starting to book mm -hmm. them in early November. Yep. So, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of we're expecting to see a lot of inventory and uh, I, I hope it was from folks that were listening to you and I talk about or advising people to sell some good low houred machinery, whether it be combines yeah. or tractors, because they sell really well at auction. We're, we're starting to see some really, really nice equipment come through the block here the later part of November. Yeah. And uh, you know, if the same thing holds true, what it did in uh, this pre-harvest auction season and some a lot of these big dealer auctions that happen this summer. Right. There's going to be some big prices, and there's going to be, and I always go back to this group. There's going to be a good opportunity for good quality used equipment, low hourly equipment, coming to auction for those farmers to to be able to look at. Yeah. So, question from the dealership: Are are you guys being able to strategically? Are, are you guys starting to take calls at all from? from farmers saying, hey, I'm looking to, to upgrade. What, what's kind of the sentiment, the farmer sentiment out your way from the dealership's perspective? No, I think we have, even before what we see happening coming together now, we've had plenty of folks with with the idea that it's time to upgrade um, and, and we're going to work through what we've got and, and kind of see how things, see how the chips fall. And, you know, we've, we've, done, a, <clears throat> we've done a great job of, you know, working with those customers and, and doing some, do some different stuff out there but we, we've got more people coming to the table now we've got some folks out there kicking tires right now and, and looking to see what happens and i mean 
I don't. I, I like I said. I think our November and December are going to be great, great months, better than we've seen in the past. Typically, November is a is a is a slower month just because there's so much harvest still going on. I mean, typically in my neck of the woods, we're we're starting corn harvest the last week. You know, last weekend of of October, and hopefully they're done by by Thanksgiving. That's that's mm-hmm. a that's a typical year. I mean, we're we're going to be done when they start typically start you know what i mean so it's there's going to be a, a great opportunity for folks to really kind of weigh what they've got so yeah we, we're getting some phone calls we're getting some action we're getting some people excited about things and and there's things going on out there but you know we're, we're stacking them deep and selling them cheap you know, that's what we do so it's it's uh, <laughs> it, there's plenty of good stuff going on there good all right so so the other topic i, I really want to chat with you about is mm-hmm. what we're seeing come to auction is the average hour of tractors is continuing to rise year over year. So 2018 to 2019, we saw an 8% increase in the hours of machines. From 19 to 20, we've seen an 11% increase of hours. So mm-hmm. there's, it, it appears to me that the OEMs, you know, naturally they're not manufacturing as much uh, equipment and farmers aren't wanting to buy a lot uh, uh, more new equipment than they were, say, in the 2014 so as we see this inventory aging in, in terms of hours on machines and the OEMs are backfilling a lot from the, from the new perspective, how, how do you think about that from, from a dealer and, and you know, maybe from the, some of the guys listen, or the folks mm-hmm. listening really understanding where those opportunity zones can be from a, from a buyer's lens? Well, I, I think you, you can look at the auctions that we've seen July – June, July, and August, right, um, and even into September. I mean, what what were the ones that brought big money, right? They were the machines that that weren't out there. Those hour ranges that weren't out there, three hundred fifty less hour, you know, separator hour combines, uh, tractors that had less than seven hundred fifty hours on them. Um, you know, you start looking at some loader tractors that had two hundred fifty hours on them. I mean, stuff like that that just is not just wasn't in captivity during that time and still quite frankly isn't necessarily in captivity now right there's i'm not saying that there isn't any of those out there but but it's it's hard to find them right it's hard to go out and find those machines and i think when you look at what you see here what you've got here is is a great is a great uh, illustration as to what we've seen happen through the duration of this of this uh, down cycle that we've been the seven year down cycle that we've been in you know you look at the 2018 stuff to the 2020 stuff and and you're seeing on average um about 700 900 hours worth of uh increase in hours and what we're seeing happen is so much of the same equipment showing up on on the dealership lot and on the auction block that's got the same number of hours on it right i mean if if you bring a 2012 2013 2014 combine tractor four-wheel drive loader tractor whatever it is to the to the auction block or to the dealership i mean it's kind of almost like a rubber stamp to some extent about what it's worth there's no big shocking surprise there of what that machine brings on auction same way with there's no big shock as to what it's being asked for on on the uh on tractor house or machine repeat or wherever the stuff gets listed out for sale now but but retrofit that back into that 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 two-year-old combine that's got you know 750 separator hours on 
that's a machine that, that's hard to find, right? Uh, a one-year-old machine that's got 350 hours on it, something like that. And all of a sudden is nobody knows what that machine's worth because there's just it's it is a it's a unicorn out there that that is hard to find now we've established that based on some auction values and what we've seen happening out there but for the most part up until that point nobody really knew i think some people thought i know what i thought those machines were going to bring you know when i looked back at um sinclair's auction when they had that deal and i saw they had 60 some combines on there i'm like holy crap these guys are i got some balls man they're going to put 60 combines on one auction, all sell in one day in today's marketplace. My God, those guys got some balls, right? But look to what happened to them. Look, look, look what they had on there, the mix of combines they had on there. It was, it was a mix of combines that we didn't see up until that point. And then you start looking at what AgPro did, and you start looking at what, uh, oh, what was the other one? I was in the mix doing that. But it kind of fizzled out. I mean, you kind of saw that kind of start to fizzle when in late September and those and those few auctions that we saw kind of there at the tail end, the market had start that that backlash kind of caught up with itself, and you started to see some some normalization out there as far as what those machines were worth, and you kind of saw a little bit of a dip there in late September as, as to what those machines were bringing that we had seen you know previous auctions bring you know pretty big money and my you know the joke i told some guys i worked with was you know i was talking to aaron fennel about this kind of thing i was like you know lightning can only strike the same place 10 times before it doesn't strike there again and that's kind of what we saw happen you know it's constantly just i was like holy crap this can't keep going and then and, and and it did it went a lot, a lot longer than i thought it would and but then there you hit that that down spot and you saw that kind of curve off now that being said i think if those same machines came to market today you'd see more of that that premium being put back into that marketplace because now look at look at late september compared to the end of october commodity prices and and what we see happening with with stuff going to china and the stuff we see happening out in the marketplace um all the influencers that we see out there um i really think you're going to see some some big moves towards the upper upper end of that like we saw back in june july and, and uh august and september yeah, uh, I 100% agree with you. And and what we're what we're what we keep talking about in our office is c- still comparing 2019 to 2020 and Q4 of Q4, right? So, yep. um, in Q4 of 2019, we had bigger yields than expected. We had MFP payment, and there's optimism of trade war. So, farmers' sentiment was was good. They're saying, "Hey, let's go upgrade," and we we uh, we explicitly saw. Combine prices increased dramatically. I, I forget the exact number. But it was like fifteen percent from August season to December. You know, part of that's just the, the the type of season seasonality in the equipment business. But as we relate that to the big rally in commodity prices plus the government payment that's going to be coming down the pipe here later this year, we're sitting back saying, okay, uh, the thing that we look at is as the tractors are the hour hours are aging they're getting higher it's good it's a little bit harder to find that low hour machine so as farmers have more cash in the pocket we're sitting back saying well how we know prices are going to go up in q4 but how high are they going to go and what's the premium going to be paid on that 350 sapphire combine 300 hour to 750 hour tractor right so 
you know, sitting back looking at those dealer, those dealer auctions this summer were really good indicators of what I think we're going to see, but maybe to a larger degree here now that farmers uh, are, are feeling a little bit more comfortable about their, their positions this year. Yeah. And I, I, would, I would totally agree with that. I mean, I think there's, there is a, uh, there's a shot in the arm here that this is the same. This is a, I feel like this is a similar um, kind of reaction and, and feel the marketplace that we saw in whatever it was. When was that, May or June or whenever we saw the, that 450 corn range in, in 19? Oh, um, yeah. You, yeah, you can. Uh, <clears throat> yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if you go back and look at that, I feel the same thing now, right? Now we're, we're knocking on that 420, 425 range. Um you know, you're starting to see some volatility, interday volatility in the marketplaces. If, if you take a look and watch what's going on there, and you're starting to see these these movements happen, where you're starting to see, you know, we're we're down two or three or four cents today, and we gain it all back tomorrow plus two, and then you know we might lose two or three, and then we gain back you know two or three more on top of that the next day, and they, you're starting to see these these back and forth that we're starting to come in, and that volatility, the same level of volatility that we saw leading up to that 450 thing, and then you know we got to that 450 number. I think it might have hit up in 460 for a minute or something like that. But when it really corrected, you know, that's that's when we got that bad news that the China thing didn't happen like we thought it was going to happen and so on and so forth. But, I mean, right now, just the world right now is in, it's in a bad spot. I mean, we got – there's I pulled up. I was talking with uh, Sean Hackett – or not Sean Hackett, Chip Nellinger the other day, and I brought up the world um, – the S, I can't remember what it was, but it was like the world drought map. And – a lot of the world and some key growing areas for rice, wheat, corn, soybeans, there's pretty some pretty epic droughts going on right now. Some very dryness, a lot of dryness going on that, that's really driving what we see happening here. And then, you know, the market kind of hinges on every drop of rain that falls in those drought-stricken areas and, and what it looks like. But, you know, Brazil's in a bad spot. You know, you look at, you know, Central Asia and what that looks like. You start looking at, you know, China, obviously, they're on the opposite side of that. They're in an epic flood. You know, you got what was happening in 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 the plains and in, in the western part of uh, the United States as far as drought goes. So I mean, there's a lot of a lot of information. Even in your neck of the woods, you're starting to see some drought creep into Iowa and some drought in in Iowa and Illinois. You know, I mean, so there's some there's some pretty big things now. Don't I'm not going to sit here and like start pulling this alarmist lever by any means because we got a long ways till planting season comes around. But I mean. <clears throat> If this continues the way we're, the way it's looking and, and things continue down the same path that we're going, um, I mean, Sean Hackett's talked about it a lot in this podcast about how the weather patterns are lining up to where you know we're moving into a, a fairly La Nina style um, area that that's going to give uh, you know these these longer dry spells are coming our way. So I mean, who knows what that looks like? But I, I really feel like there's going to be a lot more confidence in the marketplace than what we've seen in the past just because I think we're going to see, you know, higher highs and, and higher lows than what we've seen here in the past. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, just speaking from the Iowa level, we definitely had a drought uh, in western Iowa. I was talking to a, a large landowner who owns uh, farms all across the state, and his corn-on-corn ground was, you know, horrendous mm-hmm. he was picking some 300 400 acre fields with uh less than 100 bushel yields on oh, corn wow. 
which is uh you know obviously not good right so yeah. it's uh that the corn on corn ground around here has not been uh not been good but yeah. uh that that drought is a is a serious issue yeah so what do so you- I, I i suppose going into this this mm-hmm. season you know from our perspective uh we're expecting a lot of inventory to move and bigger prices um you know if, if you were to advise a seller, this is one thing that I've always tried to think about, is if you're trying to advise a seller, uh-huh. uh, what type of inventory would you want to get rid of or sell at auction this fall? Do you still, you still think it's that lower-hour piece, or do you think if you're looking to higher-hour higher equipment and you're trying to advise a seller, where, where are you seeing the opportunities from a dealer's perspective of, uh, good value on higher hour equipment. Yeah, so I think on higher hour equipment, I mean, I mean, I don't know that you're going to get if you're showing up with a 2013 combine that's got 2,000 separator hours on it. I, I to be quite frank, I don't know that you're going to get much more for it at a, at a at a dealership than you're going to get at an auction. To be honest with you, I don't I don't know that you're going to I don't know. If there's a pro or con there. To be honest with you, but I'll be honest, the other side of that too is what I've seen stuff sell for at a at an auction as far as um, low-hour stuff sell at an auction for. I, you know, I can go back and look at a lot of dealership stuff and it's, sold, it's, it's advertised for less. So that tells me that there's, there's some good deals to be had at, at your local dealership um, above and beyond what you see happening at the auction place. Um, so I guess if I'm going to advise somebody what to do, I mean, depending on what you've got and, and what you're wanting to do, um, there's probably a great opportunity f- for you to buy a, a lower-hour combine at a dealership at a, at a better price than you're going to buy it for at the auction just based on what I've seen happen uh, in, in previous auction sales. Um, that being said, <clears throat> if you've got a higher-hour machine that's um, a run-of-the-mill stuff, I really think at the same time, I don't. I don't really see where you're gonna you're gonna gain anything trading it in versus taking an auction. But that, but that again, all all kind of hinges on what you know. What do you owe on it? What are you doing? You know, what you're you, have, you are you trying to capitalize on your equity? You know, what are those things you're trying to do? And I, I think that's that's where it is. But I, I would definitely say take a look at your at your dealership and see what they've got stuff advertised for and then go back and take a look at what stuff sold at auction and you tell me where the better deal's at. And I think I know a place to go look at those auction prices. I do too. Over at Iron Comps. Iron Comps has all that stuff that you can go out and look at. All the great all the great information that you need there. And plus you get $75 off if you use Moving Iron at checkout. Yeah. Did you know we, saw, did you know we tracked 503 combines that sold in just August? Yeah, it's it's a bunch. Uh, yeah, we did that podcast and you we were talking about that. And you asked me how many sold, and I was like, it's got to be close to five hundred. And it was there was a. It's it has been a boatload of equipment. Yeah, it's a pile uh, of stuff, in, man. In 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 September alone, we tracked three hundred and fifty million dollars that sold at auction. God dang, three hundred fifty million bucks. O- over over the over the summer from June, mm-hmm. and and obviously some of those big dealer sales had a lot to do with it. But from June until the beginning of October or something like $700 million of inventory traded at auction. A lot of inventory, a lot of dollars. Almost three quarters of a billion dollars. 
That's good. Yeah. In, in three months. So there's, I mean, but it goes back to that. Those auctions, the one thing about those auctions is that what percentage of those machines were, were low-houred compared to how many of them were what, you know, kind of the run-of-the-mill machine that you saw? It's, I mean, it, Yeah, I don't know that data, but it's a big difference. I mean, yeah. if you look at a 300-hour combine, uh, you know, if you're looking at a 700 series, you're looking over $300,000, right. $350,000 for a combine, but as soon as you have over 1,000 SEP hours, it depreciates quite a bit more from right. that perspective. But the point I'm making is, what was the, uh, so of those 503 combines, how many of those combines sold that had less than 350 hours on them? It's a finite number. It was, it, I don't know if it was even, it might not even been 10%. It might have been 5% of that 500 combines that sold. You're probably right. I, I, I would speculate there's between 40 and 50 yeah. that sold. So uh, 450 other combines were what we see every day. So that's the point I'm making is that this this market is still saturated with those those higher hour machines that we see day in and day out on dealers' lots and on auctions that are bringing, you know, fifty to a hundred thousand bucks. So back to my point of you know you asked me what how how do I advise that? Take a look at your dealers' lots and go see what they've got because you're going to see an opportunity there to get a good quality machine with some, some great packages that come along with it. So here's a question I've kind of had for, for a while as dealers have tried moving a little uh, more of their inventory uh, or, or reducing inventories just mm -hmm. from a business perspective. Do you think is, uh, do you think in dealers will begin to restock some of that inventory? Mm, I think they'll be able to restock it um, better now than they've been able to do it in the past. I mean, um, I think there's going to be more. Um, I mean, what we've seen now is that the traditional one-year roll guy has gotten bigger um, and put more hours on it. Um, we're seeing more machines come in that have got 500, 600, 700 hours on it on a combine. We're seeing more tractors come in that have got, you know, 750 to 1,500 hours on them in a year. Um, we're seeing more of that kind of stuff. What we're missing is is the the high equity guy who trades his machine in that's got you know his his 250 hour um high horsepower real crop tractor or his 100 you know 25 to 200 separator hour combine <clears throat> those are the things that we're missing that's that niche in the marketplace that's that's not there right now and um it's going to be hard to kind of re kind of get recirculate that because that same guy now that's that may be doing the higher higher equity guy that's that that did that you know hundred hour combine or hundred fifty hour combine he might have ran that for three years now and now he's got um you know three hundred fifty four hundred hours on it five hundred hours on a three year old machine which is still ridiculously low hours you know when you start when you put in the grand scheme of things um so once you get that that kind of model rebuilt and that that trade cycle kind of comes back together again. I think we'll start seeing that again, but we, we've got to get over this this hump, you know. Like you know, like we talked about the 450 combines that sold in in August there, um, that are just the run of the mill combine, you know. So if 450 of those sold at, at an auction, I mean, is that 10 percent of the population out there on, on on captive on dealer dealership lots? I would argue it's probably higher than that, you know. So you're, I think right now, last time I looked, there were I got to go back and pull that up, but there's like 12,000 or 13,000 combines listed on Tractor House for sale. 
Um, it's a lot of combines. And, consi- of combines. and considering that 450 of those sold at auction, or, or you know, 503 of those sold at auction, right? So you're, one month. you're, you're, I mean, that's like, you know, you're taking a pebble and trying to fill up a bucket, trying to make the, the water overflow in a bucket, one pebble at a time. And it takes a lot of pebbles to make that happen. So we have a lot of, a lot of inventory to get through yet before we hit that thing. But that being said, we don't have the bigger pebbles that we need to make that overflow with those lower hour machines. And that's where, that's where that, that true kind of meat and potatoes is, is that we need to get into completely so and, and we'll have to see if that lower hour inventory hits the auction block here this this fall you know we're starting to see some but to what extent uh it's still yet to be remain uh remain to be seen so uh, should should be a, a really good auction season and as you mentioned people are going to have plenty of time to sit and toe their thumbs and figure out how much they're going to pay and then keep clicking the bid now button right. uh and, <laughs> right. and pay a little bit right. more than what they what they're planning on exactly yeah that's exactly right that's exactly right. Well, that's some good stuff, man. What's uh, what what are your thoughts? So let's take a look at what you see happening. I mean, we kind of talked about what we see happening in twenty. What's the auction bill look like going out until like you know from January to March of twenty one? I mean, there's got to be some some auctions starting to kind of get lined up for that. Yeah, you know. A lot of that stuff doesn't doesn't come public until sixty days prior. Sixty days prior, yeah. There, we're seeing some, but it's it's too early to make a prediction of, of inventory uh, that I'd want anybody to hold my feet to the fire of what we're going to see because that could dramatically change as we go uh, in, into this fall, uh, go through this fall, and, and really start to see what inventory does come up. But you know, there's still a lot of guys retiring. There's still plenty of estate sales, and. Uh, you know, bankers are still sitting back, and they're going to have to build cash flow strategies with their farmers come next right. next uh, next spring for the, to buy inputs. And yep. there could be plenty of bankers saying, "Hey, I don't want to see a government assistance payment inside of your cash flow, so don't don't bank on that for next year." It's probably wise of you. Just same thing bankers have been saying is, if you have any extra equipment, just liquidate it, turn it into cash. It's You'll have a better return on your investment if you do that today versus mm-hmm. keep hitting and keep sitting on that depreciable asset. So, right. absolutely, you know, we're I think we're still going to see a lot of that happen, um, and, and just really understanding the, the market volatility's prices, uh, what's going up and what's going down, just making sure farmers are understanding what these prices are actually doing and, and seeing that in, in real time. Absolutely, yep. Well, Kyle, it's great stuff, man. I love I love when you come on here because I'm a data geek, and this stuff is just right down my alley. So, if folks wanted to get more information about how to use that that moving iron um, coupon code, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, exactly. So, as I mentioned, we're we're <coughs> tracking uh, auctions from over 450 auction companies here in the in the United States, and all of that data and pricing information, transaction history can be available, found at ironcomps.com. Go sign up and you can buy a year subscription uh, to be able to see what's happening in the machinery market. It's almost treated as a commodity these days, as Casey and I are always talking about, the machinery prices going up and down, what inventory we're seeing. You can see all of that through Iron Comps. So go to ironcomps.com and subscribe to our membership. 
uh, to be able to see all of this data that Casey and I talk about. And Casey, you use iron comps at your dealership. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, it sounds like it's going well. Any, any words of advice for people who are kind of on the fence of, of becoming a member of Iron Comps? Yeah, I mean, I think I would say how, how we use it and the way we do it and what we get out of it is, is, the, is the speed of going to look up. Um, I mean, it's pretty easy to go to, you know, machine repeat, track house, fast line, wherever you're going to look at your values. And, and pull that data down for what stuff's getting listed for and you can you know you can kind of kind of dredge through what they have posted for um, auction values but at the same time tractor zoom is all of I mean like you said there's 400 plus auction houses out there right now that are that are reporting to them what they're doing and if you go out and take a look at that data, there's, there's it's the quickest easiest way to see what's happening in the auction market period the end there's no if ands or buts about it, it's very simple. It's very, very, uh, very concise, and you can absolutely manipulate the data to get what you want out of it to see what a, you know, ABC piece of equipment sold for on uh, a given time in a given time range. So, um, yeah, to be honest with you, it's changed everything. Um, um, it's really changed the way we look at look at equipment, the way we value equipment. It's changed the way that we um, assess data. It's changed the way that we gather auction data. I mean, it's just it's a it's a simple, easy way to really get the nuts and bolts as to what we see happening out there. So, as far as I'm concerned, it's it's worth it's worth every every penny that we pay for it. We we just had a uh, we had a farmer subscribe for a, a fee and you know it's only 299 bucks a year and he was he was he didn't know what he needed to pay for this piece of hay equipment i forget exactly what it was it's was either a baler or a hay vine and the seller was asking something like thirty five thousand bucks for it and it was a private party deal and you know on facebook marketplace craigslist everybody's machinery right. twice 2x what they'll actually take for it and uh he was having a little, a little trouble negotiating with the guy and so he said all right well i'll just buy i'll just buy the bullet and i'll subscribe to iron comps it's not that expensive and i think it should be worth, worth its weight in gold he's, he was able to negotiate ten thousand bucks off the purchase by just using transparent uh, transaction data so yeah. he made made him a, a big believer and uh, those are the awesome success stories that we like to hear yeah yeah no i think it's a it's a great tool and it and it gives everybody uh, a great opportunity to to see what's happening in the marketplace which I mean, it's not a it's not a big shocking surprise out there at all. I mean, I mean, it's it's a it's an easy way to validate what we see happening, uh, or validate your hunches anyway. And it's a great way to just develop trends. I mean, you put a lot of slides up here today with a lot of information that you can't. Um, I mean, obviously, you don't have Purdue's farmer sediment built into your to your algorithms in in uh, uh, iron comps, but the same but as you can see you're pulling that data that's real-time data based on what you see happening out yeah. there and you're just and you're just mirroring it so it's it's a great way to to really capitalize on what you see happening out there well casey thanks for having me on it, it was great and uh look forward to doing another one here come december Absolutely. And then attending your moving iron summit yeah moving iron summit so yeah yeah that's be a that'll be a good one here so that uh check me out on facebook twitter and instagram that's where you're going to find all the latest 
Moving Iron Podcasts as they come out, and also MovingIronLLC.com for all the latest uh, information about the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, January 20th through 22nd. Kyle and his crew will be there, and they're going to give a little presentation about what they see happening in the marketplace uh, according to the data they pulled. And uh, they're going to be hard-pressed to find another another company that's going to have um, – the amount of data points that they have for auctions, and I think that's that's what separates. It's a niched thing. Like you're you're really separating yourself out um, when you take a look at this. So you have great great sources to go out and find um, uh, retail data, and, you, and, and as far as I'm concerned, Tractor Zoom and Iron Comps are the best place to go find auction data, um, and it's because it's easily sourced. So check that out. Use uh, go to ironcomps.com and use Moving Iron. Uh, for your discount code, you get seventy five dollars off your subscription. And uh, thank you, Kyle, for for doing that for everybody. It's going to be a, a good a good way to introduce some folks to what you have here. So uh, looking forward to see where Tractor Zoom goes here, tracking this stuff here through the end of the year. And you know, I appreciate you being on the podcast. I appreciate uh, what you've done for Moving Iron Podcast here uh, over the course of twenty twenty. Thanks, Casey. All Until right, next time, man. Until Appreciate next time. It. Let's go move some iron, folks. I am Casey Seymour with uh, Kyle McMahon. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Mm-hmm.